0: I'm Eric Eddings. And I am Brittany Luce. And this is The Nod. And on
1: today's episode, we're talking with a high schooler who had a bit of a dilemma.
2: I think it was fourth hour, my fourth hour, I was sitting there like, man, today's our first game. And I was thinking of all the plays and things, trying to figure out Uh, what my position was supposed to do. Alex Hosey is a 15-year-old high schooler from Michigan, and he's the point
1: guard for his freshman basketball team. But on this game day, something was distracting him
2: from getting his head in the game. And I was like, the anthem. And I was like, ooh, what should I do about that? And Then I was like, you know what, I I shouldn't even think about that. He goes to his fifth period class, sixth period class. He even gets
1: dressed in his blue and white uniform.
2: We were playing uh, DeWitt and uh, I was excited. Uh, everybody was jumpy, we were all energetic. It was our first game and everybody had been telling us that we were gonna be good this year and everything. And we were like, yeah, we're gonna destroy them. And uh, and then it got all silent and everybody was like, please stand for the national anthem. And that thought that Alex tried to ignore earlier in class returned. And this time, he made a decision. I was like, uh, I don't think I should stand for the national anthem. I don't, I, don't, I don't believe in it. So he didn't. Honestly, I was a little bit scared. I was like, I hope nobody yells at me or anybody starts screaming at me. Even though he's only a
1: teenager, deciding to sit for the national anthem in protest was a big decision and one that could have serious consequences. At another high school just five miles away, four star football players knelt for the national anthem. The reaction was swift and pretty negative. People posted on social media about how the students were ungrateful, that they should be kicked off the team. And other posts were honestly a lot more threatening than I feel comfortable sharing here. Ultimately, their coach significantly reduced their playing time. Two of the students changed schools, citing their treatment before and after they began kneeling. So Alex knew that sitting for the anthem could haunt him. But at that
2: moment, he was just worried about what could happen next. I had my head down, and I was—honestly, I was praying. I was like, please let nobody, like, like come on, come on the court and run up to me and, like, hit me or something. I, I, I didn't know what to expect. Alex
1: hadn't told anyone about his plan, and his coach was completely caught off guard— his coach told him they needed to talk after the game. But first, it was time for tip-off, and
2: Alex focused all his energy on the court. As soon as like they started announcing my teammates, I completely forgot what I had done. It went to the back burner during the game. Alex's team won, and he was riding high. But after the game ended,
1: he looked for his parents in the bleachers, and the reality of what he'd done came flooding back.
2: I, I had walked all the way up to the bleachers and then... I saw my coach with my parents and I was like, oh, right. And I just came up and I was like, uh, hey, what's going on here? Am I interrupting? His coach turned to him. He wasn't mad at all. He was just a little confused and wanted to understand why. I had decided to do it and not told him. Alex
1: explained that he'd been watching the news with all the coverage of police killings of unarmed black
2: men and it hurt him. That could be my dad. And I thought, why? He didn't really do anything. And like how the policeman got off, he just murdered a man and he just went free. He had also been thinking about something that happened to
1: him in middle school, an experience he tried to forget. He was at school and saw a group of his friends bullying another kid.
2: And I was like, all right, guys, you should probably back off. But then they started coming at me, but it didn't bother me as much because they were my friends, so... I just walked away, and a kid said something. I didn't hear it, but but later the kid that was being bullied came up to me and said, "Hey, uh, thanks, man." And I was like, "Yeah, no problem, bro." And then he told me what the kid had said, and it turned out to be the N word. Mm. And uh, I I was shocked because it was my best friend actually, wow. and we had been best friends for four years. And I was just like, "What?" He would say something like that, and I asked my teacher to go to the bathroom, and I ended up crying.
1: Alex's parents talked to the school, and they said it was an isolated incident. But a month and a half later, the same thing happened to his brother. Eventually, they transferred schools, but that experience never left him. I was just like,
2: why can people, why are people like this? Like what did I do to you? I I was trying to help somebody and you just called me that out of the blue? Like I never had a hint that he he would say anything close to that. It hurt me. I don't I don't and I think I'm kind of I'm I'm a kind of strong-willed person, I guess. And when that happened to me, I was broken. So imagine somebody who's more closed off and they have like one friend and they do that to them and I I don't want that to happen. So this is how Alex
1: explains his decision to sit that he'd seen unarmed black man being killed, that he himself experienced hate, and that Alex felt he had to do something. Alex also told his coach and parents that he didn't just intend to sit this game, but every game that season. And as the conversation continued, Alex saw that the people closest to him weren't angry.
2: They were worried. They had a conversation with me. And they told me uh, that I, I need to explain why. Because people would be coming at me uh, telling me that I'm this and that. Alex's coach and his parents wanted to get
1: ahead of any negative attention Alex's sitting might draw. So they moved to protect him. And his dad felt like he knew just where to start. They told me I had to do something and my parents had an idea. Why not write an essay? Most kids would be like, really? An essay? Homework. That's what you want me to do. But Alex got to work. He put in hours of research, and the resulting essay was three pages of words infinitely better than any paper I wrote during high school. His piece began with his reason for protesting the anthem specifically.
2: In the United States of America, it is considered a shame or even a moral crime to sit for the national anthem or the pledge As an African-American male, I believe that if I did stand at this time, I would be disrespecting myself. And he and
1: focused he his argument on the specific the experiences of Black people in his hometown. Street, Stories of people he knew, like his grandparents.
2: My grandfather, Samuel Hosey Sr., the first Black pharmacist in yes. My, My grandparents had wanted a house in East Lansing since the mid-1960s, but knew it would be illegal. for them. The to policy of the bank was to keep Blacks in a certain area. This racist collusion a was here. allowed by local and state government and upheld in the courts all the way to the federal level. And finally, he made his demands. First, I would ask for East Lansing School District to teach the history and effects of redlining of people of color, both nationally and locally. Second, I would ask for Mayor Mark Meadows of East Lansing to issue a public acknowledgment and apology to blacks and other people of color for the city's role in redlining, mistreatment and discrimination.
1: Alex turned the essay into his coach, and he doubted that anyone would even read it. But someone did.
3: I was, I mean, I was blown away by his essay.
1: This is City Council member Shanna Draheim. I called her to talk more about Alex's essay.
3: I didn't really know a lot about this in, in our city's history. I certainly knew a lot about redlining and have done all sorts of, you know, um, reading on that over the years, but wasn't so aware of it in our own community. And so the next thing that went through my mind is, you know, I really want to learn more. And I, and I did.
1: So she reached out to Alex and his parents, and they set up a meeting with the school, the city council, and the mayor.
3: Just sat down to kind of hear his story and what was going on and and what he really wanted out of the city and what he was asking.
1: Then a really crazy thing happened. The city council and the mayor decided that Alex was right. This history and pain that people endured, it happened and should be addressed. I'm curious as to why why you felt it was important to actually apologize?
3: You know, I think, I think there's a lot of power in owning our history and apologizing for the things that we have done wrong as a way to move forward. Um, I think it's particularly important in a place like East Lansing that we often think of ourselves as very progressive. We, you know, we've had one of the you know, early um, civil rights ordinances. So I think it's particularly important for a community like ours to step back and say there was a point in time where we, we did wrong. And, and we have to apologize for that.
1: The council adopted a resolution calling out and apologizing for East Lansing's deep history of redlining. They admitted to overlooking the racism that occurred in the city. And they acknowledged the resulting pain and hardship that residents of color had to endure as a result. That still left Alex's other demand. That schools teach the city's long history of redlining and racial discrimination. Alex said the schools thought that was a good idea, too. And they wanted him to help.
2: We, uh, myself and the uh, East Lansing Public Schools, are making a curriculum, updating the curriculum in East Lansing uh, to have some of these things taught.
1: Wow. How, I mean, how does it feel to have that happen? Like, that's crazy, you know? That's, that's amazing. And that's fast.
3: <laughs> yeah,
1: really fast. Alex sat during the national anthem for every game that season. And while his classmates didn't criticize him, none of them joined him either. He did it alone. But after the city announced the apology and the other steps they were taking, support started pouring in. He was featured in his local paper and on ESPN's website, The Undefeated. It felt like a watershed moment in the town, especially for two of the people closest to Alex,
2: his grandparents my grandparents cried oh wow uh, my dad my dad told me that he had called them and told them they started crying and then he started crying and i was like what I, like cuz i'd never heard i i've only heard of one time one other time my grandfather had ever cried that i had known of and it was it was incredible that he started crying over something that i had done What do you think touched him so much about this? Because it's his grandchild that had affected something that he had had go through. Like trying to change something that he had to struggle to get so that other people won't have to. Throughout all of this, it's clear Alex is still a
1: 15-year-old kid. He's still got a little bit of time before he has to decide what college he's going to go to. And he still has no idea what he wants to be when he grows up. I'm curious like had you given thought to what you want to be like I guess when you when you get older?
2: Man, I I'm so confused right now. I'm like, should I be a lawyer? Should I be a teacher? Should I be a should I draw? I have no idea anymore. Before I was like, yeah, I'll just I'll just do what my dad does. I'll just be in IT, you know, just type. That'll be cool. But now I have so many things that I could do. It's just crazy and I I don't know which one to choose. Is that, is, that like a, is that a happy overwhelm, though? Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm not sitting here and saying, like, oh, oh my God, I have so many choices. Uh, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> trying to be like that. I'm just saying, like, I have so many choices. It's amazing. I told Alex that as
1: a newly christened old, I just found him and his entire story really, really impressive. But the one thing that he wanted to make clear to me is that for him,
2: this work is not done why are these things still here? I thought we took care of them back in the 50s. I, I didn't think that this would be needed to be talked about. I thought you guys would take care of it, but I guess we have to step up. Like, we're the future, so I guess we have to do it now.
0: After the break, a woman behind the ones and twos brings a new sound to the world.
1: So, Brittany, mm-hmm. you know the song, Rapper's Delight, Sugar Hill Gang?
0: Hip, hop, hippie to the hip. Yeah, you know.
1: I'm glad you weren't in the gang.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they could have used me.
1: Actually, maybe they could. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, so the song is like super famous. Everybody knows it. Uh, and it's often considered like the song that brought rap
0: to the masses. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody knows that.
1: How did it
0: bring rap to the masses? Do you know? I don't know but I watched actually every single episode of The Get Down. <laughs> and so I would hypothesize yes. that this accurate the, historical drama. Yes. Um I mean if I had to guess from watching The Get Down, likely there was like some guy like playing the radio and he was like he talked to some young kid was like what are you listening to and he's like oh i got these records and then he played like a record or a tape or something like that or eight track or something and then he got it from a young person and then put it on the radio that's what i i think probably is what happened
1: well that's that's not exactly right um but good effort you know okay well i'm talking so what i'm talking about is how hip-hop was introduced to, like, the masses, how it became mainstream. Okay. And the story of how, like, the song actually got made and came out is actually pretty crazy. Do you want to? Yeah, I mean, now. So Sylvia Robinson, she had this record label, and she heard about this new type of music, this rap music. So she goes around and, like, literally just picks up some random rappers off the street. She takes them to the studio, plays a sample of some music, and they just rap over and boom. Becomes rappers' delight.
0: Whoa! Yeah, that's how. That's how. So. Wait, so that's how the song was made. Yes. But then that's not what you asked me about. You told me about how the song got to the people. How astute of an observation!
1: So they make this record, right? And nobody will play it. Like big DJs in NYC were like, "What is this? It's ten minutes long, and I don't know what it is. I'm not going to play this." Wait. It actually might be longer than ten. Minutes.
0: What year did this come out? 1979? This was like seventy
1: nine. Yeah, seventy nine.
0: Oh, yeah. They probably wanted to play disco. They probably wanted to play Donna Summer.
1: They didn't know. They didn't know what they needed to play. Wow. But the place that is often actually credited by Sylvia Robinson for popularizing the song is WESL, a soul and R&B station in East St. Louis.
0: What? Not the Bronx. (laughs) No. I literally assumed. I'm like, first of all, I don't even know if they had radio. I don't know how radio stations work Mm -hmm. in in 1979 right I just assumed it was like a radio station in the Bronx where John Tuturo worked <laughs> like that's <laughs> if you ask me I'm like this is this is what happened yes not
1: again you're still still wrong uh, okay. but it's this radio station in East St. Louis and the person the DJ who actually played it her name is Edie B Edie B Edie B
4: Uh, my cousin came to visit me. She was sitting in back of me while I'm on the air, and she says, "Oh, please, Edie Beattie. Uh Jim Gates was the uh, program director and uh, general manager of the radio station, and so he heard her call me Edie Beedy. He says, "Oh, oh, that's what we'll call you. We'll call you EDB." And ever since then, it was EDB, and is. Sounds kind of stupid. sounded stupid to me even then, <laughs> but it, I didn't care because yeah. I just wanted to be on the radio. I wanted to play the music.
1: Like, take me through one of your <laughs> sets. Like, what type of music did you love playing?
4: When I got on the radio, of course, uh, WESL was an R and B station, so you know I loved all the music. I listened to everything. I'm on R and B radio, right? Uh-huh. Knowing early in R and B radio that I want to do jazz too, so I figured out a way to kind of work that stuff in there. There were instances in my programming when I would say, okay, we're going to have the ladies concert half hour or something like that, (laughs) where I would play these sisters back to back, like Aretha and Gladys and Diana and uh, all of this great stuff back to back. So I would just fix my programming. To where it was different because I was on the air with these guys, you know, yeah. who was rocking it, you know. What I'm saying? So, so I had to create my own kind of um, character and my own way of doing things, since I was the only one for a long time. So,
1: I, I wish I could go back and hear. It sounds like a good. You guys send me a playlist or something so I can make it like a mixtape. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, tell me about the day that you ended up playing Rapper's Delight.
4: I'm on the air one day, getting ready to go into one of my things where I'm playing the sisters back to back, you know. And um, Jim Gates, our program director slash um, general manager, (laughs) and I and I say that because that means authority, right?
3: Yeah.
4: (laughs) You know, and I'm just hey, I just want to be here because I want to play the music. And he comes in there and says, hey Edie, put this on. And it was this big, thick, looked like an album, but it was really thick. Yeah. He interrupts my show, pivotal moment of my show, and I'm peed off, but hey, he's the boss, so you do that. And I uh, drop the needle on the, the record, the thick record, and then all of a sudden, there it goes out of hip, 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 video. <laughs> a hip, 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 it and did a hip give a hobby you don't stop the rocket to the bang man we can
1: say up jump the bigger do the rhythm of the
4: all of us said I'm dropping the needle on something like this It's wow you know just like to my to my audience it's like what what's going on here where with eddie show
1: like how did how did your listeners react? Like did you did you start hearing from people? How did how did they feel? All of the
4: phones lit up, <laughs> yeah. and it was just buzzing all over the radio station, mm-hmm. and um, people were going in and out of out of the control room, and uh, it was like wow. And um, so soon as I dropped the needle, I'm, I said to myself, and I think I said to Jim too, "Hey, this is the end." of R&B as we as we know it, as we knew it, because after that happened, everything changed.
1: Oh, wow. How so?
4: Uh, how so? <laughs> <laughs> Basically, in order to play rap music, you had to kind of move something else out of the way. Mm. One of the things that upset me about rap is how it was totally void against the traditional ways of writing a song. So <laughs> you know, it like lacked something. And to me it lacked um soul. Mm. And I didn't feel that, you know, whatever it was, I've never felt it like so many people
1: do. So how do you feel about like your role in this, you know? Like you you were a part of <laughs> you were part of of the movement I'm basically. I'm sorry,
3: please
4: forgive me. No, no, no. <laughs> no you know what um it's here it's been here it's back again it's never gonna go away all of those things Mm -hmm. and um i can get upset about a culture in which i thought it brought along but i can also point to so many things that is just so positive about it. Uh I mean, Hey, I was just a little girl on the radio trying to do my job. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) All I did was put on a record. I haven't heard anything more about it. Nobody gave me any money. (laughs) (laughs) I was just at work. Um, it's a good thing in a lot of ways, you know. Maybe I had a little hand in that. I don't yeah. know.
1: So, like over this time, is there like one? Is there one rap song that you you have ma- that has so maybe gotten through? Hey,
4: hey, hey. Don't <laughs> get me wrong. Do not get me wrong. And I've got to admit that, uh, and and it's probably kind of embarrassing, but because uh, the the Ice T and Cool Moody and all those guys, yeah, I I love the way the the rap went i mean it was sort of like jazz it was like uh scatting
1: when i rock the mic, you got to like the way i operate i make miracles happen just for i'm so poor, so if so if you're at a party sometime like you know and uh some rap music comes on like are you ever like <laughs> you know i helped kick this off like we probably wouldn't <laughs> be here right now if i hadn't played this record <laughs>
4: i have never thought that way ever 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 i have set up uh in, in some places sometimes and rapper's delight actually comes on and i say to myself you know that kind of thing but no i don't reach out and say hey you know no 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 no, no. not at all <laughs>
1: Your Lady EDB can still be found on the ones and twos. She's on Mix 99.5, the heart and soul of St. Louis. Check her out, tell her you came, don't ask for rappers to like.
0: Not is produced by me, Brittany Luce, with Eric Eddings, Kate Parkinson Morgan, Emmanuel Berry, and Wallace Mack. Our senior producer is Sarah Abdurrahman. We are edited by Annie Rose Strasser and Jorge Just. Fact-checking by Max Gibson. Engineering from Cedric Wilson. Our theme music is by Khalid B. Additional music in the show by Cedric Wilson, Jupiter, Bobby Lord, and Danny Roundtree.
1: And before we let you go, I want to tell you about the most fire most amazing, most splendiferous newsletter around. Ours. Every Tuesday, we bring you important content like Britney's very special recap of Beyonce performances, Girl Scout cookie debates from your favorite writers. We even try to get to the bottom once and for all about whether Rihanna can sing. Don't miss it. You can have all this and more if you just go to gimletmedia.com slash newsletter and subscribe today.